happened. So I actually uh, was thinking um, on that fourth and 26 play, there was still like what? Over a minute left. Yeah, they there had was no some good time left. They had no timeouts though, so it was over um, if they didn't get it. But what instead, since he was, you know, pretty much right away there towards him, what if he just kept on running backwards and took a safety? Then at I that have point, no idea still, what you're talking about. Huh? Why would he take a safety? Because because you can um what is it? You can do that punt where you uh you can potentially get it back. Yeah, I don't know much about that, but I, I have heard about it. There's a real change this year, and someone almost got it. They had it in the game earlier this season. I remember who it was. They just didn't get it. But it was like the punt was perfect from the safety. Would you rather take those odds or the odds of just launching that motherfucker in the air? Give me the odds of launching it. <laughs> yeah, fuck the punt. But it, it was something I was thinking about. Like, I, Obviously, there's no way that some rookie quarterback is thinking about that. In the heat of the moment, we've got guys on his ass. Could you like, imagine him running 50 yards back, running for his life with Rashawn Gary, running a 4-5 at 250 pounds, chasing his yeah, ass down? Here we go with the Rashawn <laughs> Gary lot. Gets away and gets the safety. <sighs> oh, shit. He would have ran his ass down. What are you talking about, sweeps? What are you talking about, sweeps? <laughs> Was that a soundboard thing? That sounded like a cartoon character just said that. Oh, my God. How's it going, everyone? Zonecast is back with myself, Sweeps. Relax. And the GOAT. Seven and two. So we're going to go over this Packers-Jaguars game. A uh, quick rundown from what we saw. And I'm actually going to retract that. It's probably not going to be quick without taking up all your time. Just for what I saw in this game. So Packers go in this game. Disgusting weather. Windy. Chilly. Jair's out, King's out. So not the best start from us, in my opinion. But I think we looked very rough early. Packers had, uh, I believe, three straight, three and outs to start the game. It was the first game of the year that we did not score on the first possession. Um, Rodgers missed a couple passes to Tunyon. Didn't look good. Um, the only first down, actually, I believe, was the from a Miles Jack pass interference. So outside of that penalty... There was no other first downs in that first quarter or that uh, those first three possessions. So excluding that penalty, three straight, three and outs, the only time the ball got moved. Um, coming to the second quarter, though, first play, bombed uh, MVS, nice little assist from the ref, got the Packers back into it. I feel like that's a big momentum swing right there. But then, uh, you know, next thing we know, Keelan Cole's running back to punt for a touchdown, and that's something you can't do against a team that has no offensive life, really. They got a six-round draft pick quarterback playing against you on the road, in the cold, in the wind. You can't give them six plus one, seven free points like that where they don't have to earn against your defense. So that was just something you can't happen ever, special teams-wise. And then we had to see a nice little clown show out there with the Miles Jack flop, um, you know, I didn't know there was a sniper at Lambeau Field that day, but I guess you never know really these days. So, second half starts. Again, Packers come out pretty rough in that second half also. Um, Devontae Adams, first play the Packers have in the second half fumble. Next possession, turnover on downs. 
Next possession, interception. After that, Packers finally put a nice drive together, touchdown. And then the last possession, which we'll get into later. I know we have to get into more details later. Was that three and out to give the Jags one last chance at the end of the game. So, Stevens, what is your initial reaction or anything else to add to that rundown I just gave? First of all, I got to get this out there because I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of seeing it. And that is the bad weather. You know, everyone's using it as an excuse. Again, we already used that excuse once with the Vikings game. And I get it. You know, when it's bad weather, a bad weather game, it favors, you know, the opposing team, adds more, or it favors the underdog, adds a little more variance to the game. I get all that. But you're the Green Bay Packers. You got to be used to playing in bad weather. That's kind of the thing. The Vikings were a dome team came in here in bad, bad weather and outplayed us. And now Jacksonville, a team from Florida, did the same thing. It, there is literally no excuse for it, and it's extremely frustrating for the Green Bay Packers to be getting outplayed because of the weather from warm-weather warm teams. There's no excuse for that. Uh, as for the, the way the Packers played, you know, it was very frustrating. They obviously weren't on their game. But they still squeaked out a win. And what did I say last week? You know, you just got to get the win. That's what's important. Uh, the defense, I liked what I saw from the defense. They faced, you know, an inexperienced quarterback in Luton and kind of, a, you know, a bad Jaguars team. But the defense played well. The offense, I mean, they just weren't in rhythm all game. This was the worst performance I think I've seen from the offense this year. And... It's. I don't know how much of it had to do with the weather. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that played a factor, but it was just it was an ugly game from the offense all around. You know, Rogers throwing uncharacteristic interceptions, Devontae with a few drops and a fumble. It was, it was a non-characteristic game. It, it was kind of kind of weird from the offense. Is this just a case of playing down? To your competition, do you guys think? I mean, I I could see that. You know, a lot of people are saying maybe they overlooked the the Jaguars looking forward to that Colts game next week. But this is the National Football League. You can't be overlooking or assuming anything. You got to be playing every game like it's up for grabs. So playing down to competition, yeah, maybe, but. It was it was just ugly. I mean, they looked like they didn't even want to be there, especially in the first half. You know, and the Jaguars came in fired up. They were they were juiced on their sidelines. They had all the energy you could ask for for a road team, and the Packers had none of it at home. And I get it. There's no fans. That makes it tough with an empty, quiet stadium. But you got to create your own energy, and they're just not doing that. At all at home. On the road, it's been fine. But at home, they're just not doing that whatsoever. And with all the leaders in that locker room, you guys can't get up for a game. This is this is now like the second or third time it's looked like this. And there's there's no excuse for the leadership in that locker room and the coaches not to have this team juiced and ready to go to play some football on Sunday. And it was, in some ways, it was a little embarrassing. But I will say... You know, after the game, you know, you look at the numbers. They did outplay the Jaguars for the most part. Not They didn't match their energy, but 
I mean, they had 6.6 yards per play compared to the Jags, 4.3. They had way more yards. It was really the turnovers and special teams that kind of made this game closer than it should have been. Um, Special teams, I don't even think I want to get into it because I can go on a rant about special teams. So I'm just – if you guys want to talk about that, that's fine. But I I, I don't even want to open – I don't even want to go into that at all. Yeah, the only thing really to add on to Sweeps' question there, Steven's pretty much covered it all. But you know, these guys have way too much football experience between the coaches, between all the players, to where it should never, ever be an issue of uh, to where we're going to take it easy this week. There's absolutely no reason that should ever happen. And if that does happen, then that's just pathetic. There's no way he can allow that to happen. Nothing. They played too much football to know this game isn't one before that clock strikes zero and your team has more points than the other team. You can't take the foot off. You can't undersell anyone. These are still professional football players. Where we are more talented. We are a better team. And if there is any actual playing down to the competition going on out there, then that's just pathetic. I will say in the fourth quarter, when the defense was making those big stops, the energy was there. But, I mean, with the game on the line, it's pretty easy for the energy to be there. But if they could replicate that, or at least close to that, throughout the entirety of a game, then I have no complaints. But they were sleepwalking out there the first, you know, three quarters. So, yeah. yeah that's I... something uh, LaFleur talked about uh, post-game. You know, he took that upon himself that the energy, he t- said, well, I believe, I don't want to misquote him here, but, you know, pretty synonymous. That was pathetic and just pretty bad and just how the team just wasn't into the game. It was noticeable how much more energetic the Jaguars were at that game. But we'll, we'll see what happens this next week against the Colts if they come out more fiery. Um, you know, even if that's not their style, you know, you can't just – you expect them if that wasn't really their style that they'd be winning by more. But just to be calm that a whole entire situation where this game is and was on the line, you know, essentially throughout it, we never had a comfortable lead. You know, I don't know. It's, it's something that we'll see what happens next week. And it's never really – been an issue at it's only been an issue at home pretty much i've never it seems like there's not an it's not an issue at all when they're the opposing team so i don't know where that disconnect is coming maybe they need to change something with the with you know maybe the music they play in the stadium they still do all the fan like atmosphere stuff but it doesn't make sense why they're sleepwalking at home but on the road they're just fine energy wise it's really kind of weird yeah, I think Lambo is when fans are in the sand is a huge advantage. I think that could be a part of it, right? If there's oh, no yeah. fans out there. Yeah, that is a huge difference. And listen, there's not going to be fans in Lambo probably all season at this point. So it's something they're going to have to get used to. Or, you know, maybe they don't want to be getting home games in the playoffs. So, but that that could be a story for another time. Yes, I'm actually write that down because that is a good story for another time. We're, like you said, we won't get into it now, but maybe this team just isn't built this season, at least for the outdoors in the winter time. Maybe this team isn't tough enough for that. So maybe, like maybe we saw this past week and against the Vikings also. But I'm writing that down. I think that's a good topic we can get back into later. And it's but, such a shame, too, because, you know, Lambeau, more than most stadiums, is such a big home field advantage because the elements and everything. It's places teams don't want to go to play. And if we're not playing good at home, that kind of takes that all out of the equation. So that's something that's definitely a concern, especially with them having, I think, six home games left 
or is it five home games left to finish the year? And they got a lot of home games, so they'll have a lot of opportunities to get this together. But they need to do something quick with that because the Bears coming up coming up to Lambeau in two weeks. I don't think you should be very concerned about that. But... Yeah, well, you said about the Jaguars too, and we almost lost that game. They had a chance to win that game with under a minute left, and it came down to some big defensive stands, uh, some good pass rush by the defense. But so I mean... to go back to my one comment on the weather, my biggest thing is is that it forces you to run the ball more. And that run defense is the Packers' biggest issue on both sides of the ball. The run defense has not been there yet this season. James Robinson was having his way. I don't know if it's, they could, just couldn't see him. He was too short, but that's still you know, that's still an excuse right there. He averaged almost five yards a carry. You know, and maybe that also goes with not being as tough to where we want teams to maybe pass more. But that's the biggest my, – my biggest issue with the weather where it just forces teams to run more and that doesn't play to our defensive strength in that aspect. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, the, the Packers are not a super physical team. I think that's fair to say on kind of, kind of on both sides of the ball, but mostly the defense. They don't have a lot of guys that are really going to drill you. They really only have one guy I could think of that's really going to hit you hard, and that's Kamal Martin, the rookie. And he didn't play that much. He was taken off the field a lot in favor for Oren Burks and Chris Barnes, which Barnes I like as well. But Oren Burks does not he, – he's a good special teamer, but he does not belong on the defense. I don't understand why they're still trying to get something out of him. It's just not it, – it doesn't seem like it's going to click. Yeah, Martin only played 13 downs defensively that game, so that is – like you said, pretty surprising to see. And he had that hit on that running back on the blitz when the running back oh, tried to block yeah, him. He yeah, lit him yeah, up. Yeah, he and him the over. whole was... sidelines was juiced. They had all the energy. That's exactly what you need. And then it's like they didn't put him out there for two more drives. It's like I, I don't I don't understand that at all. But he is a rookie, and you know he is an experience. So maybe we'll start seeing more of him, but. His reps went down this week, which makes no sense at all to me. So a big reason why it appears that Martin only played a fifth of those downs on defense is the return of Christian Kirksey. Played every single snap on defense, all 64 of them. So that's going to fill in that position right there. But like you said, that hit that Martin laid, that was that was huge right there. Even though we didn't get to him, it just disrupted the entire play. Um, I don't even think I said disrupted, disrupted right there, adding an extra P in there. That just breaks down the whole pocket, makes that rookie quarterback panic and just make a bad play. So just right there, that's huge. But Kirksey being back, that's going to change up those reps a little bit also. So Yeah, and I, I like the linebacker depth they have now. They got three linebackers I really like seeing on the field. So something that I'm looking forward to. Now, actually. I know you guys were talking about how you thought some of the players on the defense weren't were playing a little soft. And I was just wondering – how Adrian Amos's play has been because with the Bears he was always kind of a tone setter and a hard hitter. So I just like to know what your opinion on that is. You know, Amos he's been a really nice addition. Obviously he was really good last year. This year he's been really solid. He's been pretty good at what he does, but he hasn't really been bringing the boom so much to speak as like an energy guy. He's been more of the guy, you know, do, doing the right things, you know, 
being a leader and making the secure tackles. He's not really kind of changing the game from a physical standpoint like maybe he should, but I have no complaints with the way he's been playing. I think he's been playing really well despite Darnell Savage's struggles this year. I will say Savage now, ever since they started playing him more closely to the ball, he's been much more effective. But now that kind of makes me think they got two safeties that both are more effective in the box. Almost makes me think maybe they traded up for the wrong guy when they drafted Savage because he has struggled when he's playing that that deep zone. So that's all I really had to say about that right now, though. So do you think that he needs to start being more of that talent setter? Um, I think somebody needs to, and I think he's certainly capable. I mean, uh, his nickname Smash for a reason, right? No, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's hard. It's just hard to kind of put it on him because there's a lot a lot of guys that are, you know, doing ankle tackles and just they look so unwilling to to get in on gang tackles and things like that. That's not his problem at all. But he's also not necessarily setting the tone, so maybe that does need to change. I I could agree with that. Yeah, you pretty much caught all that. So. Um, so the big thing I wanted to go over, something that would have given me nightmares for sure if we had lost that game. You know, even I'm still just mad about this because unnecessarily raised my blood pressure there towards the end. But I just really disagree with the third and one game on the line. First down wins this game for us. Call that the Packers, uh, you know, drew up third and one. Uh, we just have to, you know, get that one yard. We've got uh, – not entirely sure. I believe Jamal Williams back there, who's not even our lead back, five yards behind the line of scrimmage. So you do that easy math there. Five plus one. We got to get six yards starting all the way back there, and we just run it straight up the guts where it's just a big clog in the middle. And Jamal Williams, he's not going to get past all that those guys right there, especially now from six yards away. If we're going to run the ball up the middle, that's fine. There's just got to be some disguises in there. It can't be from that far away in the backfield. It's got to be closer. Just that right there. Your game on the line, that's got to be your best play right there, essentially, third and one. And let's just get out of here at the wing. We pick this up. We get, we can take a knee, victory formation. We get out of here. We survive. We don't have to put that pressure on the defense. I just disagree entirely with that entire situation there. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying from from your perspective. I think in that situation, you kind of have two options as an offense. You either put out a bunch of big guys out there and literally force them to stop you, or you do some motion, you know, some smoke and mirrors and run, run a, zone, a zone run. But, you know, I think they wanted to do the, the first one, but they don't – they're lacking a fullback. And that was a perfect time to see a fullback in there – even if he's not getting the ball, lead blocking. You know, they had Josiah DeGuara, the H-back, who went down with an ACL tear earlier in the season. And then last week, John Lovett, who they brought in as the replacement H-back, he tore his ACL as well. So I think they're kind of missing that right now. Maybe I'd like to see one of the tight ends step into that role. But, yeah, I agree. You know, you can't really go single back there and hope, hope you beat them with no motion, you know, no disguises, anything, because they were losing the hat count there, so it was very unlikely they were going to succeed. And even even to go off that more, we're averaging just barely more than three yards a carry 
to that point. So the Jaguars are having their way on the defensive line. And you know they're selling out run there. They, they have to sell run. There's a better chance that we're going to run the ball there, so they're going to sell out for that. And just for it that to be that simple for them, it I just I just it didn't sit well with me at all. It just made me just very irrational at the time. It was a very safe call. Instead of going to win the game, they were just trying not to do too much, and that, I don't like that mentality at all. So even if that happens, Stevens, let's say you're the coach here, you got the call. Do you take another crack at that? Go for it. Or do you have the faith in your defense and just punt that ball away? Knowing the Jaguars have no timeouts and they have to get a touchdown. Um, You know, it's really hard to say. I think the numbers support the decision to go for it there. Um, it, it depends on how much faith you have in your defense. And if I was Matt LaFleur, I don't know if I have faith in that defense to make another stop. So I think in his place, I think I'd be going for it there. To me, if that's like a different quarterback, maybe like 25 other quarterbacks, I don't know, more than that, or probably less than that, but with Jake Luton being the quarterback back there, with the wind, knowing they have to get a touchdown, that changes a little bit. More times than not there, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm not letting a guy like uh, Mahomes or Wilson or a team that has those offensive weapons they can get the ball out to, that can get out of bounds, that can create plays, get the ball back. But actually, in that last possession, Dean Lowry maybe made the play of the game where he got his paw on that first and 10 play where the Jaguars had a crosser with a ton of open uh, space in, in front of him. And it wasn't the best pump by Scott. They only had to go about 55 yards. But that was that could arguably be the Packers play of the game right there. But in, in that situation, it's tough. You know, you have to have that already set up going in to where you don't have to you know, sit there and weigh your options at the time, waste too much time, um, not get a, something called out there. But that that situation, I still, I still, I don't know. I, I'd probably punt the ball just because I know who I'm going against. Last thing we're going to touch on today is our game balls. So, Stevens, I'll let you go first. Who's your game ball going to? All right, so I'm going to split it up into offense and defense like I normally do. For offense – I don't see anybody I could really give it to. Uh, honorable mention actually goes to David Bakhtiari for coming back and signing his contract. But the game ball today is going to go to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He, with Devontae having a rough game, MVS stepped up in a lot of ways in this game. And, you know, he had the big, long 70-plus yard touchdown. That's what he is. He's a deep threat. But that's not why I'm giving him the game ball. I'm giving him the game ball for the reliable plays when they needed a play to be made on that third and long when he had the secure basket catch. He found a, a soft spot in the zone and got it done. And on that crosser where he took it and ran it for 20-plus yards, he was a reliable option, and Rodgers were looking for him in big situations in the game. That's what he needs to do because we all know he can get the occasional deep, long, highlight reel play. He's got that ability, but it's nice to start to see him, you know, becoming a target that Rodgers can trust. I mean, it's it wouldn't surprise me if next week he had a bad drop or two and everyone was ready to – everyone crying on Twitter for him to get cut again. But he's taken another week where he's taken steps in the right direction, 
And now with Lazard coming back, I think they've got three receivers that Rodgers trusts right now. So that's kind of exciting, and I'm, I'm really happy to see how, how well he played on Sunday. Yeah, more times than not, you really have you know more than one person that you could potentially give the game ball out to. But in this case, you know, I hate to you know agree fully just for the sake of argument or lack of argument, but you really just have to give it to MVS with that performance that he had for pretty much all reasons you said. You know, I'm not going to repeat where you said the you know be redundant here, but it's hard to really give out you know or even think about who comes in second in that situation. I don't know. Like I said earlier, maybe Dean Lowry gets a little honorable mention one for that nice uh, swat down. That Jack I have a defensive game ball too. Yeah, so I guess that. I guess he's your defensive one then. You know, Amos uh, for the pick. I, I've got a different one for defense actually. I think I, I, I think I can guess who can give it to. All right, so my defensive game ball goes to Rashawn Gary. I knew it. He had an up-and-down game. In the first quarter, he looked silly on some of his pass rushes getting thrown around. But as the game went on, he got better and better. And he was absolutely dominant in the fourth quarter. We might start seeing a lot more of him because Preston, you know, he's bounced back a little bit, but Gary's been a more effective player. And Gary's really starting to come into his own. And, you know, you kind of start are starting to see why this – uh, coaching staff is always raving about him and was so excited about him, you know, before the season started. He's really starting to show what he can become, and it's really getting exciting. I hope we, I hope he continues to develop this year because they're probably going to need it with you know the the way Preston's kind of been struggling. Preston also had a pretty good game though on on Sunday, so. I'm not going to completely say he needs to take all his reps, but I'd like to see a little more mix between the two. Sweeps, any uh, final comments from you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know I was tr- I was trolling with you guys about how the Bears could potentially take Bakhtiari in the offseason, and then the next day the Packers reportedly signed him to a four-year extension. Um, I just want you guys to touch on – the old lines play because I know the old linemen when playing well don't get a lot of credit or air time. You know I can talk about linemen all day. And the this has been the most fun group of you know the most fun offensive line I've ever watched as a Packers fan. Um I know they had a really good line. The only time they had a line probably this good was I think it was 03 or 04 when they had Amon Green and they were just running the ball down everyone's throats. But this Packers offensive line this year is so much fun. It's deep. It's got a stud in Bakhtiari, and Lindsley's been a stud as well. It's young. You got Elton Jenkins. You know, Billy Turner's relatively young. And then they got depth with guys like Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr. I mean, there's – there's like seven linemen that I can trust filling in, you know, for an, if a player gets injured. And then there's like two or three guys that could play all along the line. That versatility is absolutely unbelievable. And it's, it's such a nice feeling to know that, you know, if someone goes down, it's not the end of the world because they got guys that could step up in that spot. It's a great unit more than it is, you know, one specific player. But it's it's been so much fun. 
Yeah, this is, I guess, one extra thing to add. I, I was a big fan of, like, I don't know how many years they were together, but I know the early mid, mid part of the decade with Bakhtiari sitting, Treader, Lang, and Bulaga. That was a nice O-line right there. And Lindsay was also on that squad. So I, I thought that was a pretty solid line. But, yeah, this is the best one since. Uh, we could, you know, go into which one's better. But that could be a topic for another day. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's something to get excited about. And you know, ever talks about the O-line. You know, only if they get a holding call or something like that, people are going to complain about them. If they get a hand to the face or something like that, or give up a sack. So usually you only hear people more times than not the casual fans complaining about O-linemen, but they deserve the credit that they get. And these guys have been outstanding all year. And, you know, I hope they get the respect from the national media and these uh, other shows that they rightfully deserve. So, so Goat, any uh, last comments from you? Uh, that pretty much covers it. Unless unless Sweeps wanted me to go into the Bakhtiari contract, that kind of sounded like you wanted to. I mean, if you want to, go for it. I'll quickly touch on it. I haven't seen the full breakdown and details yet, and he is the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. I'm sure everyone saw that headline. Uh, something to keep keep you know keep in mind is when when that gets released, something like that. That's usually the agent pumping up the numbers to try to make his agency sound as good as possible, and then it's the the media outlets that are trying to get the story. So they're always going to attach, you know, highest paid, but it really, it doesn't matter that much than, you know, the core salary numbers. What it really comes down to is the, is the cap hits and what it sounds like his first year of cap hit is only going to be like 10 million for next year. So that's going to allow them to have some real flexibility again. And they're going to, be competitive. They should be competitive because of that next year. You know, everyone's saying they're not going to win. They're not going all out to win now. That contract is proof that they are trying to win now with Aaron Rodgers. So I don't want to hear anything other than that. Yeah, quick go off that. The thing that people, you know, you can win now and prepare for the future at the same time. You don't have to just buy in one or the other. You know, the best GMs are doing exactly what you just said, which is winning now, but also having that plan for the future to where we can be successful for years to come, not just a couple-year window and have to scrap and start all over again. So that's a good uh, point right there. But do we have any last comments about this Packers-Jaguars game? Uh, no, I think I said a million words already. I think I should wrap it up. Sweepy, that it from you? That's it. All right, we'll just let it be known. Had a Jaguars score there at the end. This would have been way worse, way worse, super way worse, maybe a thousand times longer of me just saying stuff. But thank goodness that wasn't the case. Think, or hopefully that's never going to be the case. Uh, and hopefully from here on out, when we play these less caliber teams, that the Packers don't have to get us on the edge of our seats like that and put these teams away earlier. So the Packers next week will play the Indianapolis Colts. It's a team right there with a pretty good defense. Um, the Bears after that, so two solid defenses in a row that they're going to go up and face. So let's hope before the offense is ready to go. But any final words from you guys? Any sound offs? Uh, seven and two. Seven and two, first place in the conference. That sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it, Sweepy? Uh, it was the Jaguars. Let's calm down. <laughs> hey, we're not getting hyped about the Jaguars. When I think we made that clear, we're hyped about first place in the conference which is a good thing to be hyped about. But that's it from us today. 
and we'll see you guys next time.